We the bestest cast with the left twist. Fat, barely well dressed. Put me on the guest list. The guest list. Uh, yeah, on the guest list. Yeah. Alright ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week of On the Guest List with Foxtrot and the Get Down, White Sox, Dave, Kenny, Carkeet, and Dante. Another packed week, ladies and gentlemen. Also, by the way, happy Labor Day. We are recording on yeah, Labor yeah, Day, yeah. so shout out to all the workers out there. Got to give it up for everybody. Uh, so this is our first week streaming on Adobe Radio. So shouts out to Adobe as well, but this will be going live 7 p.m. tonight. Uh, to anybody who doesn't know who we are, my name is Colin. I'm from the band Foxtrot and the Get Down. Uh, I originally linked with White Sox Dave from Barstool Sports down here when he drunkenly asked me to teach him how to play the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> we then brought in Kenny Carkeet, formerly of the band AWOL Nation, from fitness, all-around asshole around Los Angeles area. You've seen him yeah. around. And then our most recent addition, the lovely Mr. Dante out in Napa Valley right now. Dante, how's the weather? It's it's surreal. It's so beautiful out here. I can see why I can see why people move out here and never leave. Surreal is the answer for a guy who's in Napa Valley. Yeah. Like surreal yeah, yeah. is the only adjective you can use for that. So yeah. uh, let's get into who our guest is this week. Uh, we have Andy Grammer on the podcast. Me and Dave got to do this uh, interview. Great guy, Dave. I think you might be in love with Andy Grammer. Yeah, he's a hot looking dude. Um, I I don't know if we actually were recording when I said this, but prior to the pandemic, he was the last concert I had been to. So it was kind of cool seeing that come full circle. Uh, awesome music. Awesome dude. Super engaging and Definitely. super hot. He's a hot looking super dude. Super hot. Yeah, the, we, we, I edited this out of the interview because it went too long. But uh, you know how we've been disseminating different uh, like roles for these musicians who come on to help Dave do things? Like Andy Frasco's teaching him how to do cocaine in the back of a parking yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Andy, Grammer's, <laughs> Andy Grammer's job is to teach Dave how to be hot. That is exactly what we said. He's got, he's got the hardest job of everybody. Dude, Dave, we'll is like, Dave is the epitome of white boy summer with like John Mayer concerts and Andy Grammer concerts <laughs> and Dave Matthews concerts. And man, you're just fucking killing yeah, I mean, him, bro. Like going to Dave Matthews at Alpine Valley. Did you ever play there, Kenny? I don't know, man. <laughs> it's, like, it's it's like the Midwest-ish version of Red Rocks. It's in Wisconsin. It's only like an hour and 15 minutes from downtown Chicago. But anyways, that's like a rite of passage if you grow up in Chicago and is to go see Dave Matthews at Alpine. So, yes. At the B-minus Red Rocks? It's at, so at sad. It's a, Dante's it's, probably been there like three times. I bet. It's a Wisconsin ski resort. Yeah. That's all you need to know because there's no mountains in the Midwest. So that's like... <laughs> where we ski, <laughs> but they built this amphitheater at the bottom of this hill. And it's just like fucking you pull up in miles and miles of buses and it's like a big field. It yeah, sucks to get they, into the amphitheater because you got to walk uphill like 18 miles, but it's a great experience. <laughs> but they ain't got no shuttles. That is actually <laughs> where Stevie Ray Vaughan died in 90 or 92 or whatever it was in the early 90s with uh and um eric clapton was supposed to be on the helicopter, be on the helicopter. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. and he's yeah. like i'll catch the next one and we love we love steamy rayvon steamy rayvon that's actually i remember when i first hopped on with colin uh like a year and a half ago on there on the old version of i guess this podcast yeah. i like i was trying to pick his brain about music because i didn't know him at all yet and i'm like who are your favorite guitarists and i'd say without having any technical knowledge or otherwise i he's like watching him play the guitar is like life-changing oh, yeah. best to ever do it i think the right answer would have been john Frusciante, but i'll also accept steamy ravon i love him uh, too get the fuck out of here kenny <laughs> uh, so back into the andy grammar interview we're gonna be talking about his new single damn it feels good to be me which is dropping 
Wednesday. I can't wait. I'm actually really excited. I love Andy Grammer's songwriting. I've been a fan for a long time. Uh, he really is like the dream for anybody who's coming up as a musician. He's the urban legend. He was a street performer working on the beach in California and actually wound up writing hits. So we go into a lot with Andy. Also, he really is the most positive human being alive, but even we got to get Andy to be a little bit like honest about what this past year was like for him. And he was like, yeah, it fucking sucked, dude. And I was like, let's go. So super honest conversation, super good guy. And we go into talking about the new single. So let's go into our interview with Andy Grammer. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on the guest list today, we have a multi-platinum recording artist who's here to talk about his new single coming out called Damn It Feels Good to Be Me. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Andy Grammer to the podcast. How are hey, you? yo. What is Dude, up, guys? Thank you so much for being here today, brother. How are you? Oh, man, I'm doing great. I, I genuinely am. I'm psyched. Life is good. Last year was gnarly as hell, but uh, it's, it's starting to get back to a zone that, that feels good. Look, man, you are the picture of positivity in the music, the music realm. There's few people that I can say that about, but you happen to be one of them. Sure. And I think that is where I wanted to start, actually. It's kind of like, for someone who's such a live performer and loves being in front of people and giving people his yeah. music, what has the last year been like for you? Dude, brutal. Like, all the way down to my knees, just, like, really fighting. And I know that people look at me for that, so then there's extra pressure to be, like, psyched and up. And I was just, it was really, it was gnarly, but it forced me to look at myself. You know, life is all about getting, getting what you can from stuff. And I think everybody got stuff from, from this COVID, but if you are a live performer and a lot of your purpose and your light comes from sharing with large groups of people, yep. this has been terrible. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> yes, it has. And I mean, gnarly. I mean, too, even looking in that, I know I dealt with this, that so much of my self-worth as a human being is wrapped yep. up in performing and writing songs and not being able to do that. Is that something you've been dealing with for the last year? Yeah, I've really been dealing with a lot of it. And I don't think that that's like great. No. Right. Well, you know what I mean? Like, no, I don't it's think that's terrible. Like that. it's, if you, it, being forced to look at how much of the self-worth comes from that and going like, oh man, I'm a little bit, I think I'm a little off. And, and parsing out like, no, that's my purpose as a human. That's one of my, so there's something right and beautiful and special about that but it also shouldn't take you to the place that it took me if you can't do it. Yeah. I was there, brother. It was, I had to ask my wife from time to time. I had to be like, dude, you are just not... There's a light, <laughs> there's a light that goes out in that scenario because I never thought in a million years there would ever be a point in time where I wouldn't get to do what I was put on the earth to do. And I can't imagine from someone who makes their living and is so public as you are to have to deal with that. It must, be, it must have been just a fucking gutting feeling. It was really intense and, uh, and, and just really, really helpful. Like it's one of those things. I feel like I lost, um, the equivalent of like 30 pounds of ego weight. Yo, you know? yes. It was had to like keep losing. It was really, really, really hard. And I don't know if anybody, I, I haven't thought a lot about whether if you're someone listening to this, whether you even care or whether there's any, like, I don't want any, <laughs> I'm not looking for like, uh, sympathy or anything like that. I just, just the facts are like, it was one of the hardest years of my life. We've talked sure. about this a lot on this podcast because Dave is not a musician. I am. And we, I mean, we were talking to Tyler from neon trees yesterday about yeah. this exact thing. And I always say to Dave, do you see what I'm talking about when I say what's going on in the music industry in the last year, Dave, once again, do you see what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. It, it's, uh, <laughs> Like I, I got so lucky with my position and I, I empathize with, with 
everybody not in my position, but it's like we've talked about it over and over and over again. The music industry, more than any industry in the world, actually, I was going to say in the country, whatever, but in the world got gutted because no live shows. And there was that trickle down effect where, you know, the, the bus boys at the venue, wherever you were playing, it could be, you know, a nice little quaint 50 person venue. Like they're out of work because there's no live performances. It's just, it's wild, man. Yeah. I was going to say, I do find it amazing that my first thing I said was you are a beacon of positivity and all we've done thus far has been like, God, delicious. yourself. <laughs> yeah, it it all the way down. Oh, well, oh what's funny God. is like really realizing how much of, uh, yeah, like how, how much I was getting from that and, and being able to reorganize that. And, you know, like the, the positive aspect of it was I had a baby during quarantine and I got to just be, thank you so much. We had her in my living room. It was insane and amazing what? and beautiful. What? And, uh, and so I've been able to really kind of reorganize some of my, uh, like some things that are really important to me. Mm. And when you're moving really fast and you're, you've got shows and things, you just kind of get into a flow and you don't even really know that you're prioritizing certain things. And so to have it completely wiped out and then get to come back to it and go like, no, this is actually really important. I need to be better at this. I need to do this. That's been a great, great gift. So See, I'm I glad that it happened. I'm, I sincerely am. I, I don't want you. it to happen again. I did, nobody does, but I did tell you this was going to get back positive, and I'm glad that we've gotten off to this foot so we can get that out of the way. Yes, 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 yes. Now, I think that most positive thing, like, like to me, I like to preach or talk about like a, a grounded optimism, and a lot of that comes from pain, which mm -hmm. is like, yeah, life is really hard. And when things are really hard, why, why are they hard? If you think they're just hard to suck, then that's one viewpoint. Um, but I tend to think that they're hard like a gym to make you stronger. And if, if you genuinely believe that, then even in the midst of it, you're like, all right, something's happening. I'm working extra hard today. The muscle, I can feel my muscles tearing in some way. This is gnarly, but I, uh, I appreciate it. Andy, will you call me every morning and remind me of that? Yeah, man. That's, all right, cool. I'll give you my number when we're done this. We right? need that. It, it's real. I just like, if you get someone like me to get all the way to the point where I'm like, all right, I give up. This is so hard. That, yep. It just means it was extra, extra hard. hundred percent, man. Well, I mean, I want to get into the songwriting aspect and your journey because everything on this podcast, it's a podcast for musicians in a certain perspective. We want to give people the journey aspect of what's going on. And yeah. you, my friend, are the one in a million shot. You are the urban legend of the busker who becomes a star. Yeah. And we're going to we're going to get to that to start, but I do want to start by saying I'm a huge fan. I'm just going to say up front I'm a nerdy fan on this. And the other day I'm in the studio with my band and I said to the guys I was updating them on our guests that are coming up and I said Andy Grammer's coming on and my bass player Ken is also a fan. And he goes, cool. "Oh dude, awesome." And then he looks at me and he goes, "Don't do it." And I went, you got to keep your head up. Oh, and he's like, God damn it. It's in my fucking head now. Thank you so much for making music that is so memorable that it actually pisses my friends off because it's stuck in their head all day. Dude, that, that's a big part of it is if you can find stuff that's catchy. You know, when I was street performing, you would know pretty quick whether you had something that was good if babies were bouncing to it. Mm. And I think that you get like, hmm. I, love, I love the good simple which is if you're a songwriter, you know, is uh, hard, hard to get. It's the right. hardest thing to get because you're trying to throw a million things at the wall and seeing what sticks. Because lame simple is super lame. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Right. Fine line. I like even as someone who's not a musician, I know exactly what you guys are talking about. Um, 
I'll I'll keep this very very short. But I was like <laughs> dating a girl two summers ago, and she loved karaoke. And okay. one of my favorite karaoke songs is just "Big Me" by Foo Fighters. First song I learned on guitar, and right. and she's like, "This song sucks." Blah blah blah. I'm like, dude, it is perfectly simple and beautiful. Like it's got five lyrics in the whole song, but it's perfect. It's a perfect yeah. song. What are you talking about? You're crazy. And it turned out she actually was crazy, of course, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't talked to her in like a year. But, um, but yeah, like I know that fine line, like as a music fan and someone who's not in the music industry or doesn't has never written a song in his life. I know exactly what you guys are talking about. Yeah. So let's go back to the busking aspect, because I'm sure you get asked about it all the time. But I think from my perspective, as, a, as someone who's working their way up, when you're doing that, do you ever expect to get out of it is my question, I guess. Dude, were you just like doing it for the love of it? Or were you like someday somebody's going to walk by and find me in the, on this beach? You know, so much of going after an artistic career is, is not having the answer, mm-hmm. but knowing that you have to show up every day. Yeah. And, and if you can get in love with that and really, it, this sounds cheesy, but to really love the process. So like it was still so much better than whatever my other options were. My other option at the time, I was valeting cars for like high-end douchey parties in Los Angeles. And I was, wait, what else was I doing? Mostly valeting. And then I was getting ready to go find another crappy job. And someone told me you could go just open your guitar case and play. And I was still making more before I was good at it than I would doing a valet gig. So it was just the better option at the moment. So the, the legend goes that somebody did find you doing that. And then yeah. out of and out of nowhere, you pull keep your head up out of nowhere. And we asked yeah. this to uh, one of our recent guests, but like that song comes out and everything changes. What was it like to watch this transformation of your life go from go from wanting it so badly to having it? Like, what was that like? Was it a split second, or was it? Did it feel like forever? It felt like it's, it's so interesting. You have it. It, it took a long time mm-hmm. too. So you. I always like to say that the way that I started was just went out and played music. And the only way I could get up enough courage was to go with a friend of mine. So we went out and did like Jimmy Eat world covers and, uh, people, we, we sang in harmony, just good enough to someone to be like, Oh yeah, sure. Dude, here's a dollar. And we, that just us doing that and singing harmony got us like 60 bucks a day. And so that was still great at that point. Then year two, he left to go start an internet company and I went out by myself and I didn't have any gimmick by myself with the harmony that we had. So then the money took a serious dive and I started to really try to figure out what do I have to offer here that people want or that I want to sing or what's my sound. And I was covering Michael Jackson and I actually had people come up and say, don't do that. Uh, <laughs> and I was covering at the time it was, Hey there, Delilah. And that was not working. And uh, I was trying all these different songs and nothing was happening. No one was stopping. I was literally going out and just spending hours at a time with nothing occurring. Because art is it either hits you or it doesn't. It's not, it's not a job. I always say if you're an accountant or you work at a bank or some other job, you go in and they pay you and you learn on the job and, you are lear- and you're, you're adding value somehow by being a warm body there. Mm-hmm. Art doesn't care at all unless you make me feel and it actually gets in and does something to me. Zero dollars until you do something. Yep. And so it was kind of a long process of figuring out no one cares about this. No one cares about this. I then covered uh, – I was covering Apologize and Beatboxing. And what? that would get a little bit of a stop. Like some – you could kind of build a little bit of a crowd. 
And then when I would sing Sunday Morning by Maroon 5 at that I point. I love that people, song. People would be like, I, I really like this. And they would stop. And then you could see that uh, more money was coming in your case when I played that song. So then, and this is over years of time, right? I just want to, if any artists are listening, I just want to try to encourage you that I, most art doesn't come out just like great. That's the big myth is that some people are so much more creative and such incredible geniuses that they've always had it. Maybe some, that definitely is not how it happened for me. And I like to say that as, as clearly as I can, because I've had a lot of success and I am not that. Right. So uh over second year in i find that sunday morning is working then i find uh that one republic is working a little bit when i cover that snow the snow patrol cover that i have is working so then i'm doing that during the day and then at night i'm trying to write songs that are in the line of what is resonating with what i'm getting from people on the street and over that process i slowly find that I have now my first record is a lot of me just trying to write sunday morning but from my point of view and in my my take on that style, and then keep your head up came out of that. Uh, and then you slow. Then I have fifteen minutes that are really tested. So the way that it would work on the street is you'd play for fifteen minutes and build up a crowd, and then stop and have everybody come buy a CD, and then play that same fifteen minutes again. That was a way to get the most amount of money. And so then by the time I went on radio hustle to go into radio stations and try to get people to play my song. I had this like airtight 15 minutes that I knew worked on strangers, like random strangers that would walk by. I was pretty good at offering my sweet spot to you and then selling you. And that would usually turn I, like the same thing. Impulse to get you to take your wallet out and give me three dollars is the same thing that would get a radio person in Houston to be like, oh, maybe I'll put it in. Wow. Like maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I. Yeah, and so I went on a campaign. I went around the whole country like three, four, five times to every single radio station to get keep your head up to climb up the chart. So there was no moment. This is another myth. It's like I'm here. Yeah, I've arrived. It's always. It's way more like it's working. But if you don't close this guy in Orlando today, it's done. Yeah. Like, oh shit. So then you run down there, and it's like a year, two years of that to then get it to a place where the average person, when you sing that, goes, "I know what that is." Man, yeah. I wish I would have known you before we started doing the radio hustle because I've had the yeah. experience of like, I always tell a story about we were playing in Louisville, Kentucky and our radio promoter called, called us and said there's a big station in North Carolina. that It was okay. Asheville, North Carolina. It is a fucking like seven hour drive. And we we're like, we don't have a show in North Carolina. We have a show in Tennessee. And he's like, you got to hit this station. We walked in after the drive. Sat in a conference room, played for 10 minutes, left. They never spun our shit. And it was like, <laughs> I wish I would have known the Andy Grammer type 15. And I would have had much more success at that moment. So Yeah, and I think you also have to just look at it as an overall, those types of things you look at over a year. Yep. That I'm going to be the guy that does everything. And I'm going to do it in a way that's hopefully going to leave you better than when I came. And that mentality over a long period of time just leads to things that grow and go bigger, you know. Kind of the same thing, like when you're performing on the street, yep. you know that you're going to go out and play for eight hours, and there's going to be little pockets where it's incredible, and there's some volleyball team that came by and loves you, and now you're a star for the next seven minutes, yep. and then they all leave, and no one cares about you for the next four hours. But over the whole thing of, of a week of doing that, you're going to make more money than you would just as, as a waiter, and it's, it's totally worth it, and you're going to grow as an artist. But it does take a lot of weird 
belief in yourself during these long, dry periods, you know? Dude, just doing my research, right? And this is what I took from that, that conversation as well. And it's, it's an interesting phenomenon that happens in music when you're coming up, right? You said you were playing Plain White Tees and you were playing One Republic and you're playing Maroon 5. And then all of a sudden, I know Plain White Tees took you out on tour and yeah. you worked with One Republic. And I, I'm sure you've had some run-ins or worked with Maroon 5 at some point. What is it like to go from playing them on the streets to now they're your contemporary artists? Like, was there ever a moment where you looked at the guys from the Play One YTs and was like, "I know your song better than you do." I, yeah, like, that was that was my exact question actually. Like, do do you let them onto that, or is that something you kind of like, you know, you keep down low until you get to know the boys all, a little bit? The one that really shook me uh, was ryan tedder one republic because yes. he's he's yeah. just such a beast of a songwriter he's god in the so, songwriting community he's just such a beast he knows something that no one else i don't know like there's a couple people you're like you're not real you yep. have so many hits in so many different styles and i had a song that i'd written that um one republic collaborated with a dj galantis and they mm -hmm. put out and when i heard originally my my voice was singing it and then we we're like oh, it doesn't quite work for me and then I heard it back with Ryan Tedder's voice on it. And that was kind of a surreal moment. Cause I'm like, I, you don't understand. I've literally laid out every single one Republic album and written out the structure and form of your song to try and understand like, why is the hook jumping off so hard right now? Oh, because you did this first. Or you did so I've studied so hard and who knows if that's why he liked the song. He's like, Oh, this is me. Yeah. You just copied me. <laughs> I'm a songwriter by trade it's what i do and and your songs have always grabbed me in a way that i always feel like it's very i don't know it's universally understandable but i can always tell that it's coming from your perspective yeah. and i think one of my questions is as someone who does as well as you do in songwriting and the songs you write are so powerful what inspires you like do you pull from mostly personal experience are you pulling from the crowds that you come from like where do you really draw a lot of your inspiration from I'm trying to find the things about life that we all know are occurring and are, if you say simply, you have this aha moment, like, oh, we're all doing this together. And I found the best way to do that is to get really specific with what I'm going through. And if I nail what I'm going through, a lot of other people are probably going through it. And I, I really do, going back to the simplicity thing, especially in pop music and three-minute songs, it's really, as I've gotten old, like, more mature in songwriting, the thing that I'm trying to do is find the simplest thing with the biggest emotion behind it. Yes. That makes for incredible songs that really like affect people in my opinion. So, you know, lines that, that like, I think as a young songwriter, you're thinking you have to come up with the most incredible, clever line, right? Yeah. Like, Oh, how am I going to say this in a way that's going to make someone's head pop off? And as I get older, I'm like, no, I want to say the most simple thing with the craziest emotion to back it up. And then it wraps itself around people. You know, the last song that I had that did really, really well was a song called Don't Give Up On Me. Mm -hmm. And that's not like a mind-blowing lyric. Yep. That's not like, oh, you're, you're reinventing the wheel saying don't give up on me. It's just that it, we nailed it. Like yeah. super nailed it. And then it wrapped around everybody's struggle and – you know, it became everyone's thing. And it was a really, really special thing. It's when you say something like that, it reminds me of the guy who's sitting over my right shoulder right now. Mr. Bruce Springsteen sitting right here. Yeah. If you listen to Bruce's first album, he's lyrically vomiting. He's trying to throw the most 
like most yeah. words per sentence on greetings. And then by born in the USA, he's finding the most anthemic thing he can say with the least amount of, of garble in between. He's cutting out the fat. And I guess as you become more and more of a songwriter, you start to learn. All right. I don't need, and, to, I don't need to blow everybody's mind with every line. I need to find what connects the most. What connects. And, and that's just maybe just my season. I've had the analogy I'm thinking of now, especially my last album was like, I'm, the like you have a coloring book or you have a um like an like a fully cart a cartoon and a cartoon is like colored in and there's writing and everything about it and you give it to someone they go through an experience of like reading the whole thing but a coloring book you give to someone and they they color it the way they want oh, wow. and that's really powerful if you can give a beautiful coloring book to someone and then they uh fill it in with their own story so something like when you say don't give up on me now, if it's done terribly, it's just flat and lame. Right. And yeah. Boring and boring. If it's done right, then it hits someone and they go like, oh my God, my mom is, it has cancer and I'm trying to fight through it. Oh my God, I just lost my job and this is totally speaking to me. Oh my God, my daughter's sick. Like, whatever struggle they're going through, I know that people, it wrapped around them and that's a really, really cool skill to be able to do as well. I, there's times when you're interviewing someone when you know when you're going to pull the social media clip out. The coloring book analogy is that social media clip for me. That was so <laughs> fucking eloquent. And I'm not, this is not fake emotion. Like, I, I was yeah. there and I was like, where's he going with this? Holy shit, that's exactly what it is. Like, and I, and yeah, you can use both. Like, it, yeah. if you go really, really detailed and specific, there's something really cool about that too. And I've, for sure, and yeah. I've done that. But, but knowing what you're, what you're going for when you're writing the song can kind of be helpful. But I love, I love big ideas that, uh, that you know have just like so much emotion around them and how they're going to affect people. So even like this new single, Damn It Feels Good To Be Me, I know that's just like a big, stupid, fat idea of, that I'm hoping someone hears in their car and gets to go like, ah, man, I know that I'm in whatever way I was trying too hard today. I can relax into myself and know that I am just awesome the way I am. It's funny. I was about to lead right into that single because now with the kind of like knowledge about what you try and do as a songwriter, I now completely understand where you were going with the new single because literally yeah. I, it hit me like a fucking ton of bricks when I got to listen to, by the way, I, I did this on the Teddy swims interview too. I just want to say we're balling over here. I got the advanced listen. I just want to say it's oh. fucking, it's fucking <laughs> awesome. But like, give, give me through the process because this is such an upbeat song and it just fucking feels good. It's, it's a summertime driving song. It's a party song. It can be all yeah. these things, but you're coming out of a situation where you're coming out of, as we all are, this bit of a personal hell that we've been going through. So yeah. where were you when you were writing this personally? This was just kind of, approaching a place in my life where it's not lip surface. I genuinely don't care if I'm, if I don't fit in the box. Look at Dave's that's, face. Dude, He's so that's, happy. That's, that's like one of the taglines of this show is like, I don't care. I just yeah. don't give a shit. What and a so freeing it's a, feeling. And, it's and the I best don't, feeling on earth. Some people are more bent towards that though. Yeah. Some people, their personalities like are, they come out of the womb. It seems like not caring. I am a super people pleaser and I just want to make sure everybody's happy. And I walk into a room and I can tell that person's a little bit off is, is even if it's not me that did it, is there a way I can go help smooth it out or make this a little bit better? For sure. And that's something that I'm coming to, uh, in album five, I guess, where I'm like, Oh, I know that this is not for everybody. Right. Like my music is not for everybody. And that's totally fine. Like that's okay. 
there have been so many times in this process of starting this podcast where Dave and our other co-host, Kenny Carkey from the band AWOL Nation, consistently tell me, dude, you got to not care so much. <laughs> like, you care too much, bro. It's really like, hard. It is hard. I it, like, you, you develop that. It's like a skill almost. Yeah. You have to learn that sort of behavior. Like, I'm so much different now than I was a long time ago. And, and I know I haven't really spoken a lot during this during this particular interview, this like, well, first of all, I love hearing you two nerd out about music so I can just sit back and learn something. Oh, it's, wow. you know, it's, it's cause it's way different for me. It's not something I'm, I'm typically used to, but like the, but it, everything you're saying, it resonates and, yeah. and you could tell that you're not bullshitting in your music just by speaking with you. And yep. as someone that like, I, I hate, and I'm not even in the music music industry. I hate the music industry just because I hear what Colin has to say and what Kenny, who's not here, has to say about it. And it's it's really refreshing. It's such a breath of fresh air, you know? Yeah, I, I just think that as an artist, you have to get to a place where you realize that what you do is not for everyone. Right. And when you when you actually mean it when that you're okay with that, you you unlock new doors you can go through with art yeah because if you're trying too hard to fit in you know i'm like i was raised a baha'i which is a world religion based on the unity of religions i didn't, I didn't have sex till marriage i don't drink alcohol wow i uh i don't fit in necessarily at your standard music industry party rock star yep. and so sure. yeah yeah i'm a very strange rock star uh i, I connect way more with like dad than like rock star yeah and so sometimes uh, you question, am I okay? If you come to one of my shows, it's definitely not only 16 year old, like cute girls. Like yeah. that's not it. There's like, I'm singing about life. There's a 70 year old lady over there. She's pumped. And then there's uh, a whole family that came over here. And for a while I was like, am I not cool? Is this weird? <laughs> Do you, uh, here's a question. No, Are... listen, no one's trying to fuck me at my show. Right? Like that's not the vibe. And that I'm calling bullshit. Told. That's the first bullshit no, thing no, I've heard. No, no, no. All You're like the hottest <laughs> dude ever. It's not, it's not, no, no, but, but it's not the vibe. The vibe that I'm putting out is not like, um, like mysterious and sensual and yeah. like we should do, it's just like not the vibe. So if, so for a while I was acting myself and the music and the art was myself, but then you're questioning like, is this, am I doing this? right yeah. is this like am i not the rock star that i'm supposed to be because if you put me up against the prototype of what a rock star is i'm super not that and i'm questioning in different industry events and different places like am i is this cool yeah. am i doing this wrong and what's funny is the fans that are coming and the songs that are working the fans are going like dude we like you yes just be you stop being so damn insecure and this I'm on is stage. Yeah, yeah, this is so Dave yells at me all the time because he calls me a choir boy because I he married is. my high He's school sweetheart. Uh, and that's okay. That's who I am. But I've, yeah. I've I've talked about this to musicians all the time on this podcast. It's like you're gonna run into so many people in the industry who you can tell aren't comfortable in their own skin. They're trying to create this narrative, but realistically, the people who you meet who are the most successful are generally the Andy Grammers of the world who are comfortable in their own skin and they are who they are. So that comes yeah. through in your music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a constant battle and yes. there's a new level unlocked uh, on this album where I genuinely care less and it's such a liberating feeling to drop the to drop that. 
okay. you know, like I, to not have to apologize for yourself is really, really cool. So you said you got like the 17 year old girls, the 70 year old grandmas. Are you looking to tap into like the, you know, 30 year old male sitting in a cube? Cause <laughs> that's my, that's my yes. demo. And I'll tell it's you just, the very first thing you got to do, you got to okay. get rid of that fucking haircut and you got to be <laughs> uglier. Like you got to be uglier, man. I can do that. No, you Not can't. Just be ugly. No, That's all you got to do. I, I can believe me. I can definitely do that. I, I do. I really, I think it's interesting that, you know, j- that we all have insecurity and, and just a song like damn, it feels good to be me, which is kind of aggressively saying I'm cool with who I am. Yep. I, 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 I think that songs are like little spiritual chiropractors that you can send oh, yeah. out into the world definitely. and you can give someone a little three minute adjustment for their day. And they, and that is like what I'm all about. Dude, you could be in any situation in the world and there could be the worst vibes ever. And you put on honey, I'm good. And you will literally watch for three minutes. People start to levitate. There's a a certain frequency that you emit that comes out and everything. And especially in the new single, I'm dead serious. Nobody's heard it yet. It is coming out by the time this is going to drop, but people will understand where you're coming from. And I think you've done a hell of a job of taking what you're trying to say here and putting it into music. So I just, yeah, I ah, appreciate it. Um, we're really, we're really excited well, about it. Andy, we're gonna, we're gonna let you go in a minute or two here. But Dave likes to do this thing. This yeah. is Dave's contribution. Dave likes to go <laughs> a little rapid fire to end the conversation. Here we hit me. All right. Okay. So it's just first thing that comes to your brain. The best Andy Grammer song nobody ever says a word about. The one that no one says a word about. Your deep cut. Um, a deep cut. There's a song called The Pocket that I was very sure was my first hit, and it was not. Uh, well, we'll, make, we'll, we'll make that post, we'll call it posthumously popular. You got it. How's that? Yep. We'll get uh, that popping. And this one, you better answer this, right? Better hair, Andy Grammer, Robin Thicke. Ooh. Very equal. Equal, I got to say. I was, How are you what? Gonna- I like that answer because you didn't give it to him. You didn't yeah. toss him a layup. No, no. You but, guys have yeah. like the same head of hair. That's a hair off. Yeah. <laughs> who's, who's got, I was asking Colin this prior to you hopping on what, who's got the best hair in like Hollywood or music industry. I think it goes back to uh, kind of like what we're talking about in individuality. And I yeah. think that the people that just own their shit is yeah. the ones. Yeah. I would yeah. kill for your hair. Like <laughs> kill for it. Um, <laughs> Stones or Zeppelin. You know, I'm going to go Stones. Did you hear about the drummer that just happened? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, rest yeah, in yeah. peace, Charlie yeah. Watts, my man. Yeah. And Stones yeah. is the right answer. They're the greatest rock band of all time. Okay. okay. Uh, favorite Little Shardy song? You're such an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> little Shardy or Shorty? <laughs> Shardies. S-H-A-R-T-Y. I'll cut this off because this is bullshit. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Do you know? Do you know one? No. So this is <laughs> <laughs> our co-host, Kenny has a running list of fake band names that he's been compiling for like 20 years now. And Dave picked a, in our group chat before the, the show started. He said, yo, yo, Dave, send me that list or Kenny, send me that list of fake names you have. And he picked uh, one out and he's like, don't tell anybody. I was oh, hoping that you were going to just try to throw a song out there that <laughs> was fantastic. blatantly fake. Just so it didn't oh seem like you didn't know someone in yeah. there. You got to be on the end, bro. Honestly, if you don't know about little Shardy. Thing, to me, uh, Shardy was like, I thought you were, my head went to Baby Shark, which is like a oh, lot God. happening in my life. But yes, yeah. <laughs> um, Baby Shark is the answer. Yeah. Uh, then I guess the last one is just your last Halloween costume back in like college or whatever college years. Last college, one of the best Halloween costumes was when me and my wife just got married, and we were. Uh, oh, we it's a wee costume. 
It's a I Wii love, costume. I do the Wii costumes too. I, Dave does it. Okay. Dave and his dog do, but I, I do it with my wife. What's your, what's your Wii costume? So we bought Angry Birds costumes and we turned it inside out and we spray painted them purple. And then we were like, we were beets, but we had a, a box of tissues and a little thermometer and we were sick beets. Which is Jesus Christ. Pretty cool. That's that's <laughs> creative. You, you are the anti rock star, and I love that's it. That's a lot. It's true. It's very Dude. true. Um and I guess we'll just wrap it up with this. You got a single coming out of uh it is coming out, I'm pretty sure September eighth, which is a Wednesday. Yeah. Boom. So, Boom. Dude, cool. I, I I've gotten to listen to it once again, ladies and gentlemen. It is worth the wait. Get ready. Andy Grammer, anything else before we let you go, brother? Oh man, thank you guys. I just really, really love chat it up with you what a good time dude we, we appreciate it you're always welcome back oh also one more thing uh dave i always have to do this so part of the podcast is that we're turning dave into a rock star we've been okay. compiling a video series dave has his first show with my band fox trotting the get down in Sick. one month from today yeah we okay. are opening for jane's addiction uh the offspring and cheap trick wow. uh at a twenty-five thousand cap amphitheater what oh advice do you have for Dave for stepping on stage and playing the song Highway to Hell by ACDC? Oh my god, are you singing? <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> Absolutely not. What are you what are you playing? Highway to Hell. Guitar, oh, guitar, guitar, guitar. Oh, guitar. Yeah. Um, I think the best advice is that the audience is on your is on like wants to be on your team. Yeah, it's gonna be no, like no one, Colin yeah. says cocaine. Not in gas. Philadelphia. Actually, not in not Philadelphia. Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> That's exciting, god. man. Enjoy that. That's Bro, great. We can't wait for it. We're so thankful that you were here today. Andy Grammer, we'd love to have you back on. Good luck with the new single, and thank you so much for being here today, brother. Thank you. Thank you. I'll see you guys soon. All right, so that was our friend Andy Grammer. Go check out his new single, Damn It Feels Good to Be Me, this Wednesday, September 8th. Great guy. Dave, you still have your man crush? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I, I appreciate a a good story no matter what kind of story it is and his is awesome well i will say my favorite part about the andy grammar interview is the fact that he openly said that this new single he was like look i'm kind of a nerd he's like i i'm not like a typical rock star he's like i don't drink i don't smoke i didn't have sex before marriage he's like i'm just who i am and i was like well that's kind of exactly how dave treats me like i'm a fucking loser nerd because i don't run around (laughs) like Shooting drugs and, and like fucking hookers. I'm gonna call him Mr. No Fun. <laughs> <laughs> You're not even getting in fights at bars on Sunday nights. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I, I didn't smoke crack in a bathroom. Dave, so. did you or did you not smoke crack in a bathroom? I did not on a smoke night? crack. I, I, I clear this I up. Mean, there, there's a new audience listening now. <laughs> and to those who actually follow me, like, I gotta make this very, very sincerely and very clear. I don't smoke crack, but a rumor started last night on the internet, which is the, you know, a safe haven for truth that I smoked crack last night and I did not smoke any crack at all last night. I didn't smoke anything last night. I didn't even smoke a cigarette or a jewel or anything last night. Yo, this, motherfucker, this motherfucker looked in the camera like he's Bill Clinton with his fucking thumb. Yeah, out. With like, the I did out. Yeah. Not, not smoke, smoke crack. crack. Yo, welcome to on the guest list, man. This is yeah. how we roll. <laughs> Dave's not even the musician out of the crew. He's over here like, yo, I didn't smoke crack on Sunday at that bar, dude. Get the fuck he did out get of a me. knife thrown at his face, though, on a yeah, Sunday. Yeah, Dave, I'm yeah. proud of you, man. If I got hit in the face with a steak knife, somebody would have been going to the hospital. If the guy <laughs> wasn't 100 years old, I would have fucking lost my shit, but he was 100. And you to go break his fucking hip? <laughs> yeah, I was going to. I would have I just tossed him. I would have, like, picked him up by his shoulders and just tossed him. <laughs> Dave Williams. Uh, and I was with sports. a friend of ours who's, like, a legit boxer. 
Um, so I didn't want that to, cause he could kill a man if he so choose. So I didn't want it to like escalate to that point, but yeah, I got a knife thrown at me and I got, you know, rumors about a crack habit started. It was a wild it's a Sunday. Great night. It's a good Sunday night, man. If Way it would bring been back a college football. Sunday night, if fucking college, if if Notre Dame lost, eighteen point second half lead, if they would have blown that game, I my trolling on the internet would have been biblical because <laughs> I fucking hate that school. They're they're the Yankees of of college football. Oh yeah, that's, <laughs> if a Notre Dame if Notre Dame loses, Yankees fans and Lakers fans have a terrible night. It's a fact. Uh, let's go into music news. So right off the top, we have something huge to talk about, but we'll get into that. Uh, first things first, Bonnaroo got canceled. Bonnaroo yep. got canceled, not COVID-related, flooding-related, Hurricane Ida-related. Uh, if you saw any of the pictures, I really... They probably made the right choice, but my favorite thing in this entire circumstance was watching like the the losers who were going to the show on their like, are you going to reimburse me for my camping gear, dude? Like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> it's, it's like, dude... Shut the fuck up. Like Dude, as they, as I've said before, Bonnaroo is the biggest not piece of shit in the way of like lineup, piece of shit in the way of like scumbag dead people on the side of the curb, you know, ODing. That said, they <laughs> just let the rain roll right through them and be all right. I'm not sure why they canceled. Well, I mean, I gotta be honest, if you you played Bonnaroo, I've driven through yeah. Bonnaroo, like, it's just in a big fucking field, it's in a farm. It's like a legitimately pure piece of shit. If it's a bog, you can't be putting up risers and you can't have fucking Tower of the Creator like having a boat on stage if your shit's going like this. Like, So they probably made the right choice. It sucks because it would have been a great concert. But uh, we had a lot of music releases this week. Most random of all, ABBA put out new music. I don't know yeah. where the fuck wow. that came from. Dude, that album Tick- cover is fucking sick, TikTok, too. TikTok, dude. They're going after the TikTok uh, generation. I'm, I'm I, I, I love it. I think it's really smart. I got no problem with it. I'm just saying, imagine being like 70-year-old Swedish people. And they're like, yeah, we have an app for you to make music for. They're like, whatever, fuck it. Hey, and AWOL Nation are like, you know, when the stage is getting set up, playlist music, always. Dancing Queen by ABBA. The only song I know that starts off with a pre-chorus little musical fucking thing there. Oh, wow. I didn't think about that. You can dance. Yeah. That's how it starts in the fucking pre-chorus. Name another song that does that. Dude, Disco's, Disco's having a revival, man. Yeah, I swear. And it's it's in disguise. It's in disguise as Dua Lipa and The Weeknd, but this is all like new disco stuff that has been coming out for the past year. I feel so fire. bad for Dua Lipa because that uh, don't start don't start now. That song, if that would have came out like with no quarantine, that would have been a fucking club smash, yeah. smash. And it comes out dead in the middle of quarantine. So. Whatever, she'll she'll make more money. Uh, other releases, <laughs> Sophie Tucker dropped new music. Oliver Tree dropped dropped new music. Just Dude, for Kenny. that fucking video. First yeah. off, the song is so good. Everything that motherfucker does, like, it's so crazy because it's such, it's based so much in comedy, right? That like, mm-hmm. there's a party that's like, okay, I'm not supposed to take this seriously, but then the production, the beat, the lyrics, the video, it's all beautifully creative blows my fucking mind into smithereens i love it i'm here for it yeah i would love to get him on the podcast just let him talk shit bro he moved to russia as a joke (laughs) and like started like making music with russian like features and all this different shit and people thought it was just like a video idea but it turns out he really did move to russia and he's like it's all for the joke dude don't make me like dedication why haven't you done that kenny i know i'm I'm fucking out of here because i live in southern california why would i go anywhere else yeah, Kenny and Colin moved to Russia as a joke to make music with Russians. I would do anything to make my friends laugh. I would do literally anything. I'll throw myself in front of a car to make my friends laugh. You know what how I mean? Would our, how would our wives feel about that, though? Oh, God. 
Yeah, Shit. exactly. He just came back to Earth. Uh, also, Two Feet and Biffy Clyro both dropped new music. But, I mean, what can we really talk about other than the fact that, I don't know, Drake and Kanye both dropped new records? Dante, I saw you wrote a really long blog about the Drake album. What were your thoughts? Um, yeah, I have a lot to say about that. I got, like, skewered by people who thought that my review on one of the biggest albums to come out in the last like couple years with like the anticipation that led up to this meant that I was this huge Drake stan and you know you have the worst taste in music out of anybody like you're like a high school girl like <laughs> fuck all of you people seriously <laughs> ouch I have to when an album like this drops and I write about music mostly on bar so I have to fucking acknowledge it so I acknowledged it and I said what it was. I said it was a decent album. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said it's going to get a ton of airplay, which it will because Drake is everybody's golden boy. And there were two really good songs on it. Not his greatest songs ever, but two standout songs for me. And other than that, it was kind of forgettable. Yeah, I- Dante, I'm, I'm with you. And I wasn't sure how we were going to get into this conversation, but the more, because like, because they came out week after week, Donda and Certified Lover Boy, there's this natural like competition in my brain of which one's better, right? So I've been going <laughs> back and forth and back and forth. If I'm just being honest, I give them both a eh. You know? Agreed. Eh, Agreed. Eh. I mean, Kanye just hit his 10th number one album, which is like a cool, okay, cool, dope, super rad, but also. Eh, that, I mean, it could he could have just played fucking. Uh, like white noise for 27 tracks. 100%. It could have been just literally fucking nothing for 27 hours and he'll hit a number one. Dave, do you have any opinion on Drake? Yeah, so I listened to it. I read Dante's blog and I intentionally didn't ask you three who, to our new audience, I consider like I hold in the highest of standards when it comes to anything music related at all. And um, I I, like it. So like Kenny said, like I naturally compared it to Donda and I did not like it at all. Like not one single song and that and like that because I don't really like Drake as a whole. Like I do. I don't like he's not my not my style, but comparing to Donda, I, I just like I knew Donda was something bigger than what I was like. That was just like popping off on the radio. It was something right. bigger and deeper than that. I didn't get any any vibe at all from certified lover like at all i thought it was the most whatever piece of not shit but just whatever thing i've ever listened to my thoughts on this are that remember last week i said there's this difference between kanye and drake to where like there's always this possibility that kanye might light himself on fire try and burn his mom's house down but for drake it's always just kind of like there's drake he's just gonna keep winning yeah if i looked at the both of them neither of them were like a plus classic albums at least one of them made me feel something like, yeah exactly, exactly. C- certified lover boy is is like uh it's, it's like audio it's, it's audio safe. it's audio volume like it, it puts me in a comfortable spot that i've heard before not to mention like i love drake i'm a huge drake fan but everything on certified lover boy i have a correlation on a different drake album that i can compare it to as opposed to donda where like there there's some shit on there that i've never heard before literally from the top champagne poetry is basically tuscan leather part two like he i've seen this before there's so many songs on this record that i'm like which was crazy when you sent that to me because i didn't catch that and i mean that i mean i'm the beat switch but dude you sent that to me and i was like but that song when when i was first listening first run through it like three in the morning on saturday 
I was like, man, this is, if this is how the rest of the album is going to be, this is going to be fucking incredible. And then it like, and then it wasn't, you know, who, uh, you know, who won the Drake Kanye competition? (laughs) Hova. JC. Are you fucking kidding me? Like features on the two biggest records of the entire year and doesn't give a fuck about either of them. Well, there was a cut. Could not agree more, Kenny. I will say that like most of the features on this were on both records. I swear right, to God, right. Cuddy, Young Thug, Travis Scott, Jay-Z, Lil Durk, Lil well, Baby, all on both of them. Well, you got to think, this album, I think, was done like a year ago. Like, yeah. I, I seriously think Drake has been collecting. And that's why it's so disappointing, because they had so long to perfect this. And it just feels, it feels like I said, feels like they played the, played the safe card where Kanye of course always pushes the envelope always yeah. takes risks mm-hmm. they just played it safe on this and it, it felt like like disorganized like yeah. Donda felt very like packaged and there was a you know uh, a vision for it this just felt like it was just 21 songs like yeah, kind and the fact that they the were changing Donda until three hours before it came right, out, right. you know what I mean? At like, the end of the right. day with this, I really feel like Drake won the battle because Drake streamed more, he broke the records, whatever. I think Kanye won the war in a, in a perspective when it comes down to like long-term legacy because he at least stepped out, as he always does, and said, I'm a fucking lunatic. Watch the inside of my brain yeah. work to where yeah, Drake yeah, yeah. was like in a, in a fucking test tube with beakers and shit like that. Right. Like, Drake's never going to miss. It's not going to happen. He has the formula, but he's not going to deviate. With Kanye, you're going to get a Jesus is King every once in a while in order to get a mute- My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. And you know what's an in- another interesting thing is that like every single Kanye record, like I've said before on this podcast, takes me 10 to 15 listens before I really get into it. So like I already know after 10 listens of Certified Lover Boy that it's eh to me. Yeah. Don does so far as eh to me, but I still have hope that within the next 10 listens, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah. I get it. I fucking get it. I am I mean, there's a lot on this, on, on the on the Drake record that I did like. The one track that did make me laugh, and a lot of people on Twitter pointed this out, is No Friends in the Industry, because I, I really, really do like that song. That's probably one of the, although, then again, it's literally just energy from fucking, uh, from, if you're reading this, it's too late. It's the exact same song. But what I really did like is the fact that he has 90 fucking features on the record. He can't say no <laughs> friends in the industry and have 90 fucking things on the record. I don't know. I'm done with that's, it. Let's. That's so true. That's it's, time, it's time to move on from the Kanye Drake shit. I got one quick question, though. Good. Do you guys think, like, you just said that, that Kanye is always pushing the envelope, like, trying new shit, which is obviously, like, any asshole can see that. Do you think that Drake even has that ability? Yes, because Noah, like, 40 is, yes. like... I mean, he should have did the whole album. Why they had, you know, six or seven different producers on this album. Yeah, they had a lot think, of producers. I think that's why it, it kind of felt so disorganized. I mean, Drake's best stuff was, you know, the stuff that, you know, 40 cooked up for him. And yeah, I don't know. I uh, I like Knife Talk. I think here in Project like Pat was awesome. I'm not the yeah. biggest 21 Savage fan in the world, but he killed it on that. And obviously lived twice with, Ross and Wayne was a fucking banger, but it's a great song, that, but it's, it's Lord knows part two. It's literally fucking same shit. I know uh, the, the, only, the other thing I will leave on this though is so if you don't think that the music industry has like 
formulas and things like that. Once again, read the track lists on both fucking albums and look at the fact that all the same names are on there. There's formulas here, people. Like, I'm yeah. really fucking surprised that Travis Barker didn't play drums all over both yes, these fucking I records. Know. <laughs> I know. Oh, my fucking God. By the God. way, that fucking dude, I, I feel bad saying this on Adobe because I feel like he's like a poster boy for this fucking radio station. That's why we're here, baby. Dude, do I need more fucking Travis Barker and a dude with orange hair, like with fucking green hair? Like, we got another one this week. We got a fucking another Travis Barker. We got another fucking Travis Barker feature from a dude with green hair. We don't need it. Go the fuck home. Uh, okay, so let's go on the list, off the list. Uh, I'll start, then Kenny, then Dave, then Dante. Uh, my on the list, we'll keep it short. First responders. I just want to give a shout out to the first responders in my hometown of Philadelphia. Uh, with Ida, we had some horrible flooding in my neighborhood. My neighborhood gullies and went to a fucking the Schuylkill River. So many businesses got flooded. We were at cars fucking submerged, rivers capsizing shit. In a day, it was all gone. Talking straight, nice. drain the river. Shouts out to the first responders in Philadelphia, specifically Maniac and Roxborough. Kenny, your first pick. My on the list is the American Dream three-day weekends. I'm fucking oh. here for it. I fucking love it. I think we're all pumped on it. Every time we get to a three-day weekend and I wake up and it's Sunday and I'm like, oh, wait. I got fucking tomorrow off too. Sick. I want to, today's basically Friday. You know what I mean? Yeah, you yeah, guys yeah. are giving me shit for smoking crack, smoking crack, <laughs> and getting steak knives thrown at me on a Sunday. It was technically a Saturday last it's night. It's basically so Friday, man. It's like Friday Junior. Exactly. Anyway, that's three day weekends. That's, that's great, guys. Let's keep letting giving Dave excuses. So it's like a Tuesday afternoon. He's like, it's basically Friday. Let's go smoke <laughs> some crack. Oh man! All right, Dave. Uh, who's on your list? Uh, chicken tenders. I can't wait to order some chicken tenders. Unfortunately, Dante okay. is an asshole and doesn't turn on Postmates or any delivery apps from his <laughs> restaurant, which is where I prefer to get my fried chicken from. But uh, I'm gonna have to go to one of his competitors. But chicken tenders are fucking dope. <laughs> or you can as is most fried food. Like any fried food's good, but today I'm uh, about to order just mountains of chicken tenders. Nice man, I back that. Now I back that too. Dante, who's on your list? Football, football, football. Okay. Back, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm one of those guys that wants summer to go on as long as physically possible. And I hate when it's over, but football being back, I'm I'm ready for it. It's that time of year, man. Great weekend. NFL's back next weekend. It's gonna be it's gonna be fucking awesome. That crisp oh, yeah. in the air started, dude. I'm yep. so fucking ready for it. I'd I'd rather it be 95 degrees every single day, but I like football. Same. I'm with <laughs> yeah, you. same. If we could just mix the two, that'd be great. Uh my off the list is white people at weddings. And we're gonna get into this this Thursday uh for our green room pick section, which is the songs that make white people lose their fucking minds. I uh, love this. Oh this, this is great. Dude, be. This I goes really, deep. This goes deep, and I I have a long list in my phone. There is nothing like being a white person at a wedding and watching other white people and having that, like, 360, like, fucking break the fourth wall moment where you're like, yo, we kind of sucked. <laughs> Dude, and just watching them turn the fuck up with the shoulder pops and the fucking yeah. just really getting in. Like, it's even, so the cool, even the coolest white dude has a bad moment. And I watched a lot of, like, dudes that I considered cool Dance like real fucking losers 
dancing like Charlie Brown out there in the middle of the dance floor to Earth, Wind, and Fire. When I get super fucked up, I, I bust out the, like, stanky leg move. <laughs> like, yeah, the yeah, twist yeah. and shout, like... I roll bad. the dice a lot, you know what I mean? It's but, bad. like, I, I'm not going to lie. Bad. I may be a brown guy, but, like, at weddings, man, I'll, I turn up. I get on that dance floor. Let's go. <laughs> yo, the, the quote is, yo, I may be brown, but... At weddings, I'm white. Oh, yeah, I'll turn the fuck off, son. That's like the least white quality you want to have at a wedding. Agreed. Yeah, Agreed. Really <laughs> True, yeah. Agreed. Wow, Jesus Christ. But yeah, so that'll be Thursday. That's that's That'll be a great green room picks. I have some amazing fucking picks for that. So I've had a lot of people watching experience in my life. But Kenny, who's off your list? Off my list, taking it back to what we were just kind of talking about, is fucking Kanye. And I'll tell you why. Their beef... His beef with Drake uh, came to the point where Drake teased or released or some sort of... It's gone now, but a Kanye track with motherfucking Andre 3000 on it. Are you kidding me? I mean, I couldn't think of something I want more in my life than a Kanye track featuring Andre 3000. And Drake teased it. Then it got taken down, and everybody now is like, why the fuck wasn't that on the fucking record? Are you yeah, fucking exactly. kidding me? Where like, the why hell is that? that? Where was Andre 3000 on Donda? Oh, my fucking God. No, so now all I want in life is that song. They, he explained it, though. He explained why he wasn't on the record. What did he say? He said because uh, he didn't know. He, he recorded the verse late and they didn't know that it had to be edited down. So they, they couldn't get an edited down version because Kanye wasn't letting any cursing going on his album. And so they had to push it back, and they were going to do it for the deluxe, and then that's what happened. You couldn't just cut Dude, the fuck sale. Yeah, they did it with that. They did it with every other verse. On I that know. One. That make that makes no sense to me. I don't even give a fuck why. Just give me the fucking song, Kanye <laughs> featuring Andre three thousand. Come on, man. We were just Dave was talking about how he wanted a new Outcast record, and we all flipped. Yeah, over last it. Like, week. Yeah. Come oh, wait, on. Can I can I tell a super blonde moment of mine? Hit it. Have, yeah. Have you guys ever done this where uh, an album drops on Spotify and you? Just let it play, and halfway through, you realize, like, oh shit, I'm listening to the clean version. Because oh, yes, yes, yes. Biggie clean, Smalls all the time. Yeah, they put the clean like above the explicit for some reason. If you yeah. don't yep. check, so I did that with the Kanye one, and I, I'm driving like five hours back from Cleveland, and I'm trying not to crash, but I'm like, man, why what the fuck is this? Yeah, what like where's the explicit version? Where's the explicit version? Before I like remembered, like, oh yeah, he's not, he's not swearing anymore. <laughs> I felt like the biggest fucking idiot. <laughs> Dude, oh, that shit happens. It happens to me all the time on Spotify. All the time. So, and then I have uh, to restart the whole song from the start because oh, it, was yeah, the wrong, yeah. it was the wrong version. Well, I need, I need to hear fuck. Like, I can't yeah, listen yeah, to a song. To and, God damn it. Good pick. Uh, Dave, who's off your list? Uh, it's none other than Notre Dame fans. So, <laughs> like, I don't... Did I even tell the unabridged story prior to uh, what was that? you gotta you gotta dive in though you told so, the back end without the front end so right so i <laughs> had a couple plans canceled last night i was actually going to be watching the game with notre dame well they're not there anymore they played football at notre dame uh and when that fell through i i met up with a friend at halftime of the game without consuming a sip of alcohol yet so it wasn't like beer balls blah 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 when uh florida state started coming back i had maybe a handful of drinks in me just you know, a couple beers or whatever. And this old fucking Notre Dame fan was pissed that I was rooting against them. So I, I told him, I'm like, you realize Notre Dame, like if you don't love them, you fucking hate them. Right. Yeah. And he started fucking losing his shit on me. And then his daughter or granddaughter, whoever it was smoke show, uh, she started freaking out at me. And then we were screaming across tables with each other. 
And then someone in their party threw a steak knife at my face. So I picked it up and I handed it to him like handle side. I'm like, this is what you started to the old guy. And the daughter lost her fucking shit on me. Like I was like saying I was going to stab her dad or whoever the fuck this old guy was. And I was like, what is the like, what is what are you? Are you smoking crack? Like, I was like, what fucking planet am I on where you think I was like? going to murder this guy in a fucking bar, you crazy person. So I like lost her shit. And then the, the guy who threw the knife came up to me as he was getting dragged out of the bar. And he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he had his fucking Notre Dame class ring on like a loser. Oh, and makes it even better. It's I swear Why to God. Why do they all wear those? Why? What do you think? What else do you think he was wearing? A jersey. He was wearing a fucking Notre Sweater? Dame polo. Okay. Oh. With a jersey over the polo. Okay. What? Oh, it was a pretty fucking Quinn jersey. Yes. Yo, why with, do with they all khakis. wear their class ring? Not just on game day. Like and I've been like, on, I've been on but, planes in the summer and and you see the Notre Dame ring. The it's only, the only reason, way they can identify with the something. You know what I mean? It's the weirdest fucking thing. They all do it, but it's it's such a like a, a stereotypical laughing point about Notre Dame fans. They like stop doing it. And the only time they do it is when they do it ironically, for the most part, not this fucking guy. Dude, every kid in my neighborhood, because I'm from a very Irish Catholic yeah, right. It's has 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 a freaking like leprechaun like shin tattoo. Dante, you're from Massachusetts. <laughs> I feel like that's part of the fucking like the uniform there. I don't even know what I'm oh, talking about. Oh, dude, the Celtic, the Boston Celtic. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big my, tattoo. My name is okay. Colin. I should be Irish. I'm not Irish at all. And so growing up, I fucking hated Notre Dame just because it's literally, I want to, like, I'm so sick of these fucking kids in my neighborhood who are from yeah. Northeast Philly being where's like, it, well, let's go Irish. It's like, dude, you're not from the middle of the country. What the fuck are you talking about? Like South Bend, Indiana. Like you've probably never stepped foot in that fucking city. Fucking losers. Worst people out there are just as bad as Yankees fans. They're facts. fall-time Yankees fans. Yeah, facts. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I like, we need to like capture all Yankees fans and Notre Dame fans and put them all on like an island and just nuke it until it glows. <laughs> So like a bright green glow. He's like Bill the Butcher in Gangs of New York hating yes. Irishmen. Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> and I'm Irish. I'm like yeah, almost 100% Irish. Look at me. I'm fucking disgusting paste. <laughs> like pasty white ass skin. Ruckled <laughs> arms. Dude, Jesus Christ. Dante, please take this over. Who's off your list? Dude, I, I like... Irish people. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, hey, no, no, I, no. I, 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 would, I would be on your side for this one. I think I'm going to have to go being in Napa for the first time. Wine snobs. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've learned a ton out here, but there's a certain level where like the respect for. So like I grew up like, you know, Guido greaseball family. Like we made wine in like the cellar. My, my friend has like a real, real deal, like underground operation going, you know, crush the grapes, put them in the barrel, let them ferment press it in our own bottles and, you know, serve the shit for the next year. And it's like Carlo Rossi, basically. Yeah. These, these people are on a whole nother fucking level talking like the science, the, the farming that goes into it. Everything is like unbelievable. But then there's this third tier people. That's like, you know, they, they look use, down on everybody else. They use the, they use this like language. That's like, 
They're called Re- alcoholics. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. They're alcoholics with a PhD is basically what it is. Yeah. They're like talking to you, like smelling it, tasting it. And like, can you taste the like so-and-so? Like, I'm not drinking wine. I'm having a tasting. Wine. It's it, fucking yeah. classy. If, you, if you're drinking yeah. wine and you use the word like tannins, like you're talking about the, like how it hits your nose. Dude, listen, yeah. no one loves wine more than my wife. But no one gives less of a shit about how it's made or what the fuck it is than my wife. And I respect Dude, the fuck out of that. I respect People that who too. drink three fucking bottles of wine a day talking about, mm, this shit smells like a Himalayan mud and shit, right? They're like, <laughs> they're smart, fancy, cultured people. Yes. But like the people who know a lot about weed are fucking potheads and stoners. Get the fuck out of here. You Another drunk. great point. Another great and, point. And no, yeah. I've never thought of it like that. You're true. Uh, yeah. I had never in my entire life, and this is a true story, at the very start of quarantine, uh, I was telling Dante prior to us pushing record but um i know someone out in in wine country california and he sent me a fuck ton of wine last year and it was this was when it was like actual quarantine like the couple weeks where you didn't leave your apartment unless it was like exceptionally necessary i'm sitting in my my apartment watching netflix or doing whatever i was doing and i drank a bottle i'm like all right i'm when, when's the, when am I supposed to get drunk? Like, when's this going to kick in? Drank another bottle. I got three down and it hit me like a fucking ton of bricks to the point where I puked my brains out from drinking. And I haven't done that since like fucking high school. <laughs> Wait, Wait, how are you not getting drunk? I, I was... <laughs> All right, white trash move. I was drinking it out of a solo cup, and I just drank it a little too fast. <laughs> Dave's at fucking Clydesdale, man. I man, like it. Seriously, dude. We got to put... You can drink it like beer. We should put. I a, that's what I was doing. I was were you playing? Were you playing fucking beer pong with wine? <laughs> there is part of I've me done that believes vodka and beer there, mixed with vodka and shit. I've done some stupid stuff. There is part of me that believes that Dave doesn't eat his food <laughs> off a plate or a bowl. He actually puts a feed bag around his ears like a horse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up. Let's go into what the fuck we've been listening to. Same order. Uh, I'm going to start it out. I'm going with my man, Joe P. Joe P was the lead singer of one of my favorite up-and-coming bands, Deal Casino, who broke up right as quarantine started. And he started his own solo thing. He's been on the podcast, super viral on TikTok, just signed a a huge record deal with Neon Gold, which is the label that has the knocks on it. Uh, He just played the Sad Summer Fest with All Time Low and all those guys. I hate this motherfucker because he he has these ability to write these sarcastic kind of like lullaby melodies he's incredible check out the song off my mind joe p is the fucking man so joe p is my pick kenny what the fuck have you been listening to you know i was trying to keep it small you know trying to help out the little guys but i can't help it fuck kanye and fuck drake because kendrick has a feature on a baby keem song that had i almost drove my car off a cliff on purpose the other day (laughs) i fucking blew my mind into smithereens baby keem featuring kendrick it's called uh Family uh, ties. Family ties. That's it. Yeah. Fucking I am the Omega. God Dude. damn it. That shit is so Dude. hot. Everybody take a fucking lesson. You know what I mean? He's the fucking best, man. Like, I, why, why is it he considered a genius and why is Kanye West? Like, he is it, 150% considered a genius, but he's yeah, just more. People don't he, like, oh, he's such a genius. Like Kanye West. Like they did a fucking South Park episode of the whole thing was making fun of Kanye West for fish dicks. Being a genius. Yeah. Fish fish dicks. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think there's a difference. Uh, Ken- Kendrick is like, uh, love him. Ken- Kendrick's like a lovable genius. Kanye is a crazy genius. And you usually okay. gravitate towards crazy genius. You know what I mean? Fair. Very fair. In, in, in Apple, nobody gave a fuck about Steve Wozniak. All they cared about was, uh, yeah, yeah okay, Steve jobs. You know what I mean? So, so there you go. Uh, Dave, what the fuck have you been listening to? Okay, so I typically don't want to give free ads or 
uh, give our, I would say, number one competitor any love. Um, I'm going away from music. I went down a rabbit hole the last two days on the Joe Rogan experience, and I fucking yeah. love this. Yeah, 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 so yeah. He, like, he's getting canceled again because uh, he got COVID. And yep. instead of dying and succumbing to COVID, people were pissed about that. So I'm like, I'm going to go down a rabbit hole. And I listen to, I mean, his episodes are like three hours long. I probably listened to about a dozen over the last three, four days. And I love this motherfucker. He'll have a conversation with anybody. He's got an open mind, uh, open dialogue. And there's not enough of that. It's always just finger pointing and talking about how the other side's the fucking worst in it. Like he'll talk to anybody of any walk of life. And I respect the fuck out of it and appreciate it. And I gravitate towards people that are canceled because they're typically interesting. And Joe Rogan, he's his fucking, he's uncancelable. He's he uncancelable. He, like he literally is. You, he's, I would say him and Dave Portnoy are like the two guys on the planet. who can't cancel. Yeah. Yeah. It just can't happen. It won't happen. I mean, why does he get a billion downloads a month? Because he, he has open conversation. People want that shit. They don't it's want to recycled garbage over and over and over again. So I listen. I like, I like Joe Rogan a lot. I do like the fact that I was that, obviously like, kidding that we're his direct competitor. I would love yeah. to have him on the show. <laughs> what are you talking about, dude? Of course it's not, but uh good pick Dave. I like that. Dante wrap it up. What the fuck are you been listening to? Uh, jungle. Yes, yes. Let's go. Yes. Three, three weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, they dropped yep, yep. Loving in Stereo. And I have not stopped listening to it. Um, it gets better and better. And I mean, we were just talking earlier in the show that like disco's making a comeback. And this yeah, is... and they're a huge way. They're like the fucking new Bee Gees. Man, I have the funniest. The, I found that band in the best way possible. Playing a festival in like Sweden somewhere. Never heard the band in my entire life. Just went to go check out who was playing on stage. Blew my fucking mind to pieces. And it was Jungle. And ever since then, I've been a huge fan. Super yeah. dope. If you have no idea who we're talking about, pull up Loving in Stereo. Listen to talk about it. Yeah. Keep it moving. And Romeo. Those Kenny, three, I actually meant to ask you this. Who was that? Uh, um. I'm going to add this to my personal list, but who was that? Uh, I meant to text you this yesterday, actually. I didn't. The Irish band that you were speaking of last week or the week before, or maybe British band. You said they had super fucking thick-ass accents. Oh, the one that... Oh, the Sleaford Mods. Yes, 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 yes. Yo, I'm telling you motherfuckers, Sleaford Mods, don't sleep on them. They're so fucking good. Gutter punk British fuck. Kenny, do you fuck with idols? I-D-L-E-S? Uh-uh, don't know. You need to do that. Don't Go tell me what to do, but I'll, okay. Their biggest song is called Never Fight a Man with a Perm. Trust me, you'd like this band a lot. <laughs> Trust me, you'd like this band a lot. I'm into it. I'm into it. What a yeah. song title. Yeah. Ladies and dude, honestly, great start to the Adobe uh, spins. Great job, guys, as always. We do have more huge guests coming up. Uh, I believe we have a group love interview this week at some point. Yeah, yep, that's coming up, yep. It's coming up. We have Tyler from Neon Trees coming up. We have yep. more after that. I mean, Christ, Dave's show is three weeks away. couple weeks, yep. I got to start How looking you feeling there, soon. buddy? Good. Uh, I am starting guitar lessons on Tuesday with this random dude on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> nice. Not that Colin is a bad teacher or anything, but uh, being in person definitely helps. Colin's in Philly, yeah. Chicago. Um, he may truthfully just be some asshole that is pulling my leg. And he might <laughs> He's not a Notre Dame fan that's going to stab you. Uh, this is before Notre Dame. I got in touch with him, but he might be a Yankees fan that wants to stab me. Um, true, true. So. 
He might just be a random person that wants to stab you, Dave. There might not be even a reason hey, behind there it. There are those people. I have gotten death there. threats from random people. But hey, if you're not getting death threats, you're not, you know, you're not compelling. That means you're compelling. Any I'll press is good press. press. Yes. In, unless they follow through on the death threats. That that's the way we'll end that right. Uh, yes, there, exactly. yeah. I don't I don't actually want to die, but well, we'll see everybody the death threats keep coming. We'll see everybody Thursday for uh, the songs that make white people go crazy uh, for our. Uh, <laughs> uh, dude, they played fucking Mr. Brightside at Michigan Stadium yesterday or Saturday and made me want to puke. White I mean, as fuck. That is that, as- that that's that that might be like an like uh, that's too obvious of a pick. But that is <laughs> that is like uh, like it's putting like fucking super unleaded into white people. Like if you're throwing yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you yeah, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Brightside, you, oh, my God, it's over. Holy shit. There's one that like I saw at that wedding and I was like, wow, I've never seen a reaction like this ever from a song. And I was like literally notepad flipped it up and taking down notes like white people list. This song. I bet you Dante, Dante, did you ever DJ weddings? Yeah, I I still do like if they're big time and yeah, a couple like times a year. Money. And yeah, I mean, you got a, there's a bunch of secret weapons that, yeah, I'm sure you, you know, got a whole Rolodex for. up your sleeve. When you I were, mean, when you guys were talking about like white people just embarrassing themselves on the dance floor though, that like another thing that you only see white people do at weddings is sweat profusely. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like they have not worked out. Or done cardio in fucking ten yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. They are getting. They're making up for it on the dance floor. <laughs> they're just turning they're red as fuck. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Stripping through their shirt like. Another white people move is the the only the only race of people you ever see grab somebody by the tie and pull them in. I don't know why that's. <laughs> oh yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't know why. Oh, that in the fucking they, conga line. Right, we, gotta save, we gotta save visual. this for Thursday. We gotta save this for Thursday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this this to me is like a. I need to put together like a fucking like, like a just a, a highlight reel of like white people moves at a wedding. But I was <laughs> at my own wedding. I wound up. I was probably the whitest person there that night. I was shit faced. And my every like two songs, another button came undone on my tux. And by the end of it, I walked out with just everything open, eating. <laughs> Eating a cheesesteak, walking out of my wedding, just completely bare chested. Hell yeah. It it was. I've never been more fucked up in my life than I was at my wedding. (laughs) Say, you know, you did the right thing. It was a good time. It was a good time. I got powerbombed by my drummer. Uh, Another super white move. This song, uh, Time of Your Life from Dirty Dancing, came on. Yeah. And they cleared the dance floor. My drummer Jimmy is at one end of the floor. I'm at the other. I am completely open-shirted at this point. And I jumped into his arms to do the fucking move from Dirty Dancing. And everybody's like, yeah. And Jimmy didn't know how to put me down. So he fucking powerbombed me. Straight up, powerbombed me. And I I hit the ground and bounced. And you just heard everybody go, ooh. Ooh. And all you heard was me go, <laughs> Nobody puts like, Colin in a corner. Dog, I woke up the next morning in that fucking hotel, just like, uh, <laughs> just completely bruised head to toe. But all right, let's get the fuck out of here. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you Thursday. Fuck you guys. Fuck you.